Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writing the Rapids episode two, the Katie Dooley episode. Katie Dooley is a former classmate of mine. She is a friend of mine. And I think most importantly, she is a poet who in 2015 won the Dyer Ives Poetry Competition, which is put through the Grand Rapids Public Library. Go to grpl.org slash dyer-ives, and there will be a link in the show notes. You can learn more about that. She won in the second division for her poem, entitled A Poem I Can Never Show My Mother. This conversation that she and I had that you are about to hear is rip-roaring and fun. We gripe so much. There's a lot of exasperated sighing on both my part and hers. And most importantly, we, we really get to have a good time just being two writers talking about writing. And that is exactly what the show was made to do. Next month, we start the show proper, meaning whoever is on next month will be the first writer who was nominated by someone who has been on the show before. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Katie Dooley. Hey, how you hey, doing? I'm all right. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm actually really good. Today was a good day. That's good. I didn't have to use my AK. Um, I can't remember anything else about that song. What? The Ice Cube song, Today Was a Good Day. I don't know that song. No? No. Oh my god. And so you've missed all of the deconstructions of like, we figured out exactly by the things he described in the song what day he's talking about. No. Because he's talking about like his sports team winning and like no smog in LA and he's referencing certain pieces of technology that could only have happened within certain time frames. And anyway, it's like January 20, 1993 or something. And oh. that that was a good day. Okay. Uh, and, and part of the song is he didn't even have to use his AK. Is that a gun? That's his gun. His AK-47. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay, I get it now. I okay. Guess. I, I'm sorry. I'm glad that I'm glad that we got that sorted <laughs> out. Um, so you are the second and I think final person that I've chosen for the show. I'm honored. Yeah. Well, you and B.R. Yeager were the only people who responded to my tweets about it. So I was just like, well, I guess they're the ones who get to start it up. And it just so happened I got a guy and a girl and a fiction person and a poetry person. I guess it worked out then. So we'll see where it goes from there. I'm hoping that it doesn't get too insular and and just like weird writers talking about weird writers. Yeah. Uh, talking about weird writers. But I feel like that's what the writing community does anyway. I feel like is, it is too. Like every, every all writers are weird. Yeah, well that's true. But like of to the to a degree, I guess of the echo chamber, uh, of the echo chamber of a certain community, I feel like the writing communities are the echo chamberierist. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> So, so you're you're on the show uh, because of that, but also I know you personally because we took writing classes together at Grand Valley State University. Yep. And there's a lot of things I want to talk about that, but I... About school? About school, about the whole, like, discussions we had in class about, like, can you even teach writing? Yeah. Can writing be taught? Like, is writing some sort of mystical thing that is bestowed by the gods (laughs) upon the people below? Uh, but first, I want to talk about. I don't know if you heard about this. Apparently, Sherman Alexie uh, got got timesed up. Id. 
He got me too. Oh, no. So no. apparently a lot of women were like, yeah. Fuck. I didn't know that. When did that come out? Oh, I don't remember. I think it was on Twitter yesterday. I haven't been yesterday? good about social media recently, but I, either yesterday or the day before is when I heard about it. But the... Oh, God. That's so disappointing. The article that I heard or read was talking about how if you now need to find a new Native American writer, you've been doing it wrong. Yeah. That's very true. And while I agree with that sentiment, we were both taught his work in a class um, about, what was the class even called? It was um, like some sort of sty- writing style, something style and and theory and style something. Like yeah, that. and so we took Laura Kaziski, Neil Gaiman, and Sherman Alexie, mm-hmm. and we went through a, a span of their writing, right? Different genres that, in which they wrote, and different time periods, so that we could examine how style works on a sort of micro level. Yeah. Is that now ruined? Like, is one third of that class now ruined for us because Sherman Alexie is a scumbag? Like, I I don't feel like that should be the case. Like, I understand why you wouldn't want to support him anymore yeah. by making droves of students purchase his books right. for your classes. I can see how that would be a problem. Like, if you were to teach him now after yeah. the allegations have come out. Yeah. Yeah. So... I guess I'm I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because I've been thinking about it a lot. But this idea of when it turns out a writer is a scumbag, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody because I feel like 90% of writers are scumbags yeah, and the yeah. rest of them are women and people of color. <laughs> yeah. So basically the straight white men. Yeah. Population, they're, they're, yeah. Just, they're awful. They're just like it should be a blanket statement. It should be assumed that people that fit within my demographic or my assumed demographic we're all just gross. Yeah, yeah. And just start with that, you know? Okay, yeah. Um, But, like, do we have to teach somebody else now? Like, are why do we have to stop teaching Sherman Alexie if his writing still has value? I, well, I guess that's, like, the discussion of if you should separate the person's work from, mm-hmm. like, them as a person. Yeah. I mean, you can say that with a lot of different... Like the film industry and like Hollywood. Yeah, I, I guess too. I'm thinking about it specifically because of that article. That's like, okay, so it, it's sort of presumed that everyone was already agreed that like we have to stop teaching Sherman Alexie now. After what the article you read? Yeah, the article. Okay, yeah. Basically, like the article was about how we should have been paying attention to Native American writers before this because now everyone's scrambling to find a different Native American writer to teach. Okay, yeah. And... I don't know. Yeah, that's really... Like, I feel like we shouldn't... I'm wondering if we shouldn't have to do that. Like, does his work still have merit? Aside from the money issue, does his work still have merit? Like, do you feel like you have to throw out one-third of... The things that you learned and yeah. discussed in that one class now? Not necessarily. But I feel like that's something that's always going to be a- attached to his name now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, I don't know, like, my complete feelings on it. Because, like, 
I don't like what do you do when you were taught his work before you knew yeah I guess it's such a weird thing to think about yeah I I don't even know if I'm articulating it clearly enough I think part of no, this is... No, I think that his work separated from him, mm-hmm. you mean? Yeah. Like, does it? is it still important? Yeah. I think so. All of this is to say that of those three writers he, that we covered in that class, his, his writing was my least favorite. Yeah. Like, like, I didn't like his poetry, but I liked... Oh, yeah. Uh, if Amora yeah. Kiwi ever listens to this episode, I hardly read it. Yeah, I skimmed it because he's very long-winded, and it's just not my style. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I could appreciate it, but his fiction was much better, in my opinion. Yeah, and I don't know. Even that just seemed... Like, for me... I mean, you know my, my fiction writing. Like, yeah. Yeah, I can see why, his, why you his like, stuff specifically was, wouldn't. Yeah, it's just like... It's academic yeah. writing yeah. about an issue from a person who knows about that issue. Yeah. But, like, that's most of it. Yeah, that's true. Like, as far as academic writing goes, that's most of it. Yeah. Um, At least when Laura Kaczynski did it, it was a world that I found more interesting. Right. This, this because like, she was weird as hell. Yeah. yeah. Well, like... And a, but that's, I mean, that's not a bad thing. I feel like I shouldn't have to say that. Because I think that, <laughs> like, I think I like weird stuff. So I automatically, when I yeah. say that something's weird, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. So we'll define weird as good yeah. for the remainder of yeah. this episode. And, like, I hadn't read anything like her before. Absolutely not. Especially her poetry. However, yeah. I'm very not versed in poetry. So I, yeah. I'll say that about every poet I yeah. read and discover for the next decade. Oh, I've never heard anything like this. I mean, I guess that's a good thing, though. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Depending on who you are. <laughs> as, as long as I, I never have to teach poetry. I doubt you will. Yeah. I mean... Unless you specifically went into it, but I cannot see you doing that. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Imagine a poetry class taught by me. Just fucking write something! <laughs> that would be it. I don't hear pencils moving! Write more! Just, like, kids sobbing. Oh, my God. That would, yeah. I would feel bad for them. <laughs> at least, at least in a fiction class, a theoretical fiction class that I was taught, or not theoretical fiction, a hypothetical class about fiction (laughs) that I teach. Okay, yeah. At least my ideas about fiction could really, really upset people (laughs) beyond just me screaming. Why do you think that they would upset people, though? Well, I don't know. (laughs) I'm imagining it like an intro to creative writing class. I imagine that, like, fresh off the MFA first job at a university, they they throw the 101s at you, right? I actually have no idea how academia works for new professors. This this should also be noted. (laughs) I think that that's correct, though. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. Like, I, I have a slide up on the projector, and it's that narrative arc. Right? And then I have an animation of flames just burning it. Yeah, and then I say, very... that whole thing is stupid yeah. and you should never do it. <laughs> if you write within it a structure of one, two, and three acts, you're bad and should never write. That's very Joe way of And <laughs> like yeah. half the class rises and leaves. <laughs> because I have a very specific idea of what yeah. literature should be. Yeah. But I also can't write like that. But do you try to write like that? Or is it just like... I don't know. 
the idea of trying while writing is is really weird to me. Trying while writing? Yeah, like putting in effort. Oh. While I'm writing, okay, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I get that. I don't know. I I feel like I So I, then when you are writing, then what what do you feel like? You don't feel like you're like, what is the end goal, then, if you don't feel like you're trying? Well, the end goal is, is a, a completed piece of fiction. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of see it like like free jazz, you know? Yeah. Where I know all of the pieces. I know all the scales. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm just kind of, like, playing notes. And before I know it, 30 minutes have passed, a thousand words are down, and I close my laptop and watch a movie so you don't feel like when you're writing that you have to try is that well what you're saying or does i don't want to say that because that sounds pretentious as hell yeah i mean yeah i feel like when i'm very calculated and i'm trying very hard and i'm 110 percent focused yeah that my writing suffers okay because it becomes too analytical um like it almost reads like an instruction manual like, all of the flowery touches leave because I'm so focused on trying to construct a story. And if I'm trying to construct something literary and flowery and lyrical, it's it just doesn't work. I become so frustrated because I'm trying to think of words. Yeah, I You know what that. I mean? Yeah, that happens to me, too. Um, That's but- probably what you need when you were editing... And, or, like, during the editing process, though. Yeah. Right? Or not. I mean, I'll let you know if I ever edit something. <laughs> oh, that's true. I forgot that you don't edit a lot. No. Or, like, ever. <laughs> I, I I generally will will read through and then change a word or two. Okay. Uh, I'll fix, I can't relate, I'll, but yeah. I'll fix typos. And, and that's it. So, let's... Because this isn't about me. It's, a, it's about you as much as it is about me. But I like hearing other people's writing processes, though. I think it's interesting. Only yeah. like, I feel like my my process and like my like revision process is like weird as fuck too. Yeah. So as a poet, how <laughs> how do you even though? <laughs> what do you mean when you say that though? Like, because you, you how say, does one revise a poem? That's a good question. I don't know how. Because <laughs> I I straight up. I have no idea. Like, I get how you could, if you had something with a narrative, if you had fiction, yeah. if you had paragraphs, like, I get that. Yeah. And and in the times that I have floundered my way through writing a poem, I have mm-hmm. used several of the techniques that we, that people talked about in our more general writing classes, because I never took a poetry class. So I'm in the dark, man. Yeah. I don't know what is going on. I have like six poetry books on my bookshelves, <laughs> and that's it. And, but Amora Kiwi said something about like, try just writing it almost like a prose poem, and then putting in line breaks later, or like playing with line breaks in different ways like that. Yeah. Um, As far as stanzas go, like, I have no idea. Because you don't have to have an idea of like, I feel like... For me, it's always, like, come naturally when I should, like, break a line. Mm. Or if it should just be, like, one continuous, like, one long stanza, or if I should break it into pieces. It depends. I guess I found, like, since I've been out of school and haven't had, like, workshop to rely on people's um, 
feedback, I guess, that I've noticed it depends on the subject mm. of the poem or like what I'm writing about. It depends on how I revise it. Mm-hmm. Which is not very helpful. Well, no. But neither is really any talk about writing aside from just it being inspirational, I find. Yeah. Because I used to listen to several different writing podcasts, and it was a lot of people trying to be helpful. I feel like if you're going to try and be helpful with writing, you're not going to end up being helpful. Yeah. Which is which is why this show exists. Yeah. Like, it's not an inter- interview, and it's not... Just yeah. a how-to. It's not yeah. tips. It's like I just I love talking about writing. Yeah, it's the Joe Rogan experience <laughs> for for writers. It's the Joe Balecki experience. Oh my god! <laughs> I need to be I need to be as whacked out as him. I need to get a floating tank in my house. I hear about his podcast all the time, but I've never listened to it. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Wait, what does he talk about? Well, he generally has on other comedian friends because he was a comedian. Yeah. Before whatever it is he is now yeah podcast and so a lot of the episodes i have listened to have been like mark Marin and andrew dice clay oh. and people like that and it's been on road trips for work where other people have had control mm-hmm. of, of the ipod and i don't know they're always like three hours long and you can just tell they're getting real high during it too oh and that's cool if that's what you want. And this this talk right now has been really unstructured. And so this is probably more akin to what that is. But I also just don't really care about stand-up comedy. Yeah. I don't consume it. I respect it. Mm-hmm. I think I would probably be good at it if I wanted to be. But... That goes back to the whole, like, you trying. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, Sorry. I have to put in effort. I have to put in effort in a lot of other aspects of my life. But yeah, the I things feel, that I should be you, enjoyable yeah. shouldn't be. I actually somebody somebody who who I used to be friends with at one point was like, "Should we try to be friends again?" And I was like, "I don't feel like trying at something that should be enjoyable." And if, I've like not talked to them since. If someone asks you asks you that, you that that's a bad. That's a red flag. Go the other way. That's a run the other way. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's real bad. And the language is coded as more of like, yeah, like you need to. Try I'm willing more. to give you another chance. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. such a shitty feeling. Yeah, fuck that. Don't. All right. Well, good. <laughs> it's probably good you haven't talked to them then. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Um, what kind of poetry do you like to read? That's a good question. Um. <laughs> Dead silence for 15 minutes. Well, because I don't I don't know how to describe the kind of poetry that I like. Like, I mean, like I said, I like weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Does poetry fall into, like, isms? You know, like, like with fiction, you have, like, modernism and postmodernism and surrealism and magical realism. Does poetry have that, aside from, like, Instagram poetry and good poetry? <laughs> Instagram poetry is a not... It's not a genre of poetry. It's just... I can't even talk about it because it makes me so angry. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess it could. I don't think it falls into an ism, as you said, so sure. easily as, like, fiction would. What makes you so upset about Instagram poetry? Have you read it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just micro-poetry. No, oh, God. I mean, okay. I guess, like, the Instagram poetry that I have read mm-hmm. has been 
It reminds me of the shit that I wrote when I was like 16 and didn't mm-hmm. and like thought that I was good. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the feeling I got while reading through Milk and Honey. Yeah. And it's like, you know, yeah, I feel, yeah, it's, I don't, it's frust- I'm not a fan of that. It's frustrating. It kind of feels, if, Try I, could, hard. if I could make another um, music analogy, it's kind of like listening to a punchline rapper. Like like Lil Wayne in a certain yeah. a certain period where you're like, ha, that was clever. Oh, but it was but, really easy. And it doesn't stick with you at all because yeah. it's so, because it's just like, oh, that, that was like kind of good, but I'm not going to go back to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. So. It just seems, it's, it feels lazy to me. It Part of it did feel lazy, but it also, I I feel like when I talk about poetry, especially poetry I'm critical of, I always catch myself in traps. Yeah. It's like, yeah, man, it feels like you just wrote in 15 minutes. And then it's like, oh, wait, that's all of my writing, too. <laughs> but mine's different, because it's not about a boy who was mean to me once. I mean, I mean, everyone probably says that about themselves, though. Yeah. Like, that's bad, but mine, and I do the same thing, but I'm different. Yeah. I, but I don't I feel like it's different with poetry like that. Like milk mm. and honey. Well, it's very audience focused, I guess, yeah. is what it is. That's a great point. And so it That's feels exactly what it is. It feels pandering, I guess. Yeah, and it, right. Yeah, especially with milk and honey, which is the only real like book length work I've read of that sort of genre of poetry. Where I'm reading through a lot of her stuff, and I'm like, "That's poignant." That feels really different than the poem I just read in terms of like. Obviously, it's not a narrative. It's not like. Yeah. Here's the poems I wrote when I was 20, and mm-hmm. it ends with poems I wrote when I was 21, necessarily. But it just feels like that's an experience that lives in a completely different world from the experiences that you have described in these poems. Right. And everything is in the first person, so and it's contained within a book. Right, so yeah. I have to imagine that the narrator is the same person, unless mm-hmm. you're actively telling me that it's not. Yeah. And again, this is where I get hung up on poetry, especially like book length works. Yeah. Which is the only poetry that I really read because reading a poem just on its own just feels weird to me. That's interesting that you feel that way. Um, Because I guess I've never thought about it like that because we talked like obviously I took both poetry workshops like intermediate mm-hmm. and advanced and in, in advanced poetry we talked about like book book length works and how... There's not necess- you don't necessarily have to have like a narrative, but like a lot of poets when they do have like a full body of work, like a book, mm-hmm. there are certain aspects of some poems that like relate to each other. Yeah. But I have I have Milk and Honey, but I haven't read it. <laughs> so I mean it'll take you twenty minutes. Just Yeah, I know. That's yeah. A lot of the things I read, I read because I have been making fun of them already. I mean, it's good to know your subject. Exactly. I, I read a House of Leaves because I have for months been making fun of House of Leaves. And it's not fair. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So I read it. Now I feel like making fun of it a little bit less. Did you finish it? I did, yeah. Um, and I got a lot of problems with that book. I have a lot of things I like about that book. And it's... That you like about it? Yeah. I, I feel like the story is great. 
Mm-hmm. Granted, it's something somebody wrote on 4chan one time. <laughs> but it's great. Like, that is, like, of horror. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is my kind of horror. I like that neo-Lovecraftian yeah. sort of, like, I found a thing and it's driving me crazy. Oh, well. Yeah. Here it goes. <laughs> Uh, because it's that sort of like nihilistic cosmic horror that I feel is really actually terrifying. I agree. I I, I feel like slasher stuff and splatter stuff isn't scary, and I find body horror <clears throat> horrifying because of how comfortable I am with it. Yeah, that's you know yeah. like like if for some reason like I've had enough warts in my life <laughs> that I've like dug away at mm-hmm. and that the idea of like finding something foreign in my body and having to slice it out myself with whatever I have around just kind of feels like Tuesday. Right. But this I found a thing and I know it's driving me crazy and I but I can't stop and I know mm-hmm. that I can't stop and I think I'm okay with the fact that I can't stop is really interesting to me. Yeah. Because that's sort of like the horror of mental illness, almost. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking right? of. Yeah. That sounds like my OCD that you're mm-hmm. talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like depression, too, where it's yeah. like, oh, I hate myself. I shouldn't think that because yeah. that just makes me feel worse. But I have to think it because... Yeah, it's just a spiral. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I need to read House of Leaves, then. Yeah. I started it a while ago, but then... It was due back at the library, so I never finished it. Yeah, that's a book you just kind of have to buy. Yeah, I figured. I think, because there's a lot of things, too, where where he's hinted that, like, you have to go back and read it again because there's hidden messages in it. It's like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, if on my first reading, I, the book itself does not reveal to me that there might be hidden messages, then whatever hidden messages are in there aren't interesting to me. Uh, I mean, I like alternate reality games as much as the next guy mm-hmm. I, you know the whole like the whole Cloverfield marketing campaign and all their secret stuff and all the symbols in the first yeah. movie like that's cool but I see a symbol there and I attribute some yeah. meaning to it but at the end of the movie it hasn't been brought up again so now I have to dig into what the symbol might mean whereas with House of Leaves yes I am sure that if I took a cryptography class and looked at that list of photographers that means nothing aside from to take up space and illustrate how this character is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like if I have to go through and it's like, oh yeah, that's that's a that's a Regarine cipher. So I just need to take the third letter of each second word and then yeah, that's like so much work. attribute a number value to that and then make all of those numbers prime somehow. And with the numbers that make those numbers prime, attribute letters to that, and then it just says like don't forget to buy your Ovaltine. That sounds like my high school math class. <laughs> Not interested. Yeah. So, but like the story itself is good. Just mm-hmm. part of me thinks maybe the book got in its own way a little bit with the formatting. But I also really want to congratulate it for doing something different with the yeah. formatting. Again, I mean, that's why people talk about that book, though. Yeah, they talk about it because of the formatting. Which isn't as crazy as a lot of people say it is. Yeah. So there's a couple sequences where it's like, oh my god, I'm turning the yeah. book around. And that's cool because it makes the book as object important. Right, which you don't think about. Yeah. And so that's cool because it, it, it pays more attention to certain things about literature that other people either take for granted or don't think about yeah. or find childish or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but it but it really does. Like House of Leaves is a really good argument against e-readers and audiobooks. Yeah. Just in itself and what it is. Because how do you go onto Audible and listen to House of Leaves? You you just can't. Yeah, you can't. Uh, and that's an interesting thing. I feel like, similarly, with poetry, the poetry that I enjoy <laughs> the most is spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a movie called like Poetry in Motion Again. And some documentary did Poetry in Motion. And then he made another one like in the 80s with all of these avant-garde spoken word poets in the 80s and there's a lot of cool things that they were doing granted it was a lot of really old really angry really academic white men Mm -hmm. but also those are the poets that i just find myself gravitating to yeah uh like i don't know burroughs had some interesting stuff late in life and the way that he delivered his poems with his voice was interesting uh and then there were other people that were like oh yeah i made these synthesizers in my hands and now i'm like buzzing tones as i'm doing songs yeah i mean there's a difference between there are some poems that work better on the page and some poems that work better spoken Mm -hmm. like i have a few that i've written that when i read them out loud because Mm -hmm. of like sometimes it like depends on the formatting like if it's formatted weird like if you have indents or if it's Mm -hmm. like on it's aligned a different way on the page. It's it's harder to execute that through spoken word. Yeah. So like the poem that I brought to read, mm-hmm. the one there was one I was gonna do, but there's like some like wordplay that I have in it that wouldn't come across. Yeah, it's only really visual. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I f- I feel like I found myself writing more for the page. Probably yeah. because I don't like speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like speaking in front of people. I mean, like, after I've done it, like, the few times in my life that I've done it, I feel good. Mm-hmm. But, like, the thought of doing it makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So what? what is... I need to find a new way to ask what is the writing... What is your writing process like? Because Why? that's such an interviewee question, which is what I'm trying to stay away from. Just don't act act like you're asking me as a friend. However, <laughs> so Katie. Well, when you say however, so Katie, then... <laughs> now, what is your writing process like? Okay. Um, I mean, that's a convoluted question for me because I don't have like a specific... I don't have a specific like way that I do it every time. Yeah. Um, reading poetry or I guess re- just reading in general mm-hmm. usually helps. Um, I get emails from National Geographic solely because of they have really good um, article headlines that I use for titles oh. consistently. Mm. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's something that I've been doing since I was like still in school because mm. i think someone mentioned doing that in my like intermediate poetry class and mm-hmm. i was like that's a really good idea yeah and so i still do it yeah a lot of my early flash fictions are are, are just uh song titles yeah i yeah i do that too music is like a big thing so do you listen to music while you write um 
Sometimes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I had to think. So what it sounds like is... is I'm sorry, you, I like you did don't not have, answer the question. Well, it's a conversation. It's not an interview, yeah. so the questions are just whatever. Sorry. But it, it sounds to me as though you don't necessarily have a set process you write when you feel like writing. Is that yeah. correct? So do you... How do you keep it all organized? Do you... Do you write longhand at all? Like fiction? Like no, do you write with a with a pencil? Oh, oh, oh my god. Um so I used to, like consistently I used to, but then I stopped for some reason like a year ago. Mm-hmm. I haven't really I've just been like in Google, my Google Drive. Okay, so Google Drive. Cuz that's what I do too. Yeah. So that makes it I assume easier to just write wherever. Yeah, or especially my- because you can just pull it up on your phone. Yeah, or I go to my notes. That's another mm. one. Yeah, I did that until I deleted the one email address that all of my notes ended up oh, getting no. saved to by oh, default. No. Uh, I've, d- I've done shit like that, too. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I I only really lost, like, w- one half piece of, of flash fiction that was at all good. And it's like, oh, I'll just never get that back on. Well. Yeah, that sucks. That's such a shitty feeling. So, I guess like it comes in bursts for me. Like there are like months and months that I go without writing. Sometimes, mm-hmm. okay, not months and months, just months, One. years. <laughs> I don't no, even I, know how to write anymore. I mean, I feel like that if I haven't written for like two weeks, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I'm like I'm never gonna be able to do this again. Like that's just like consistently plaguing my entire like existence. Yeah. Like, once I finish, or I feel like I finished, like, a first draft of a poem, like, fuck. I, I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. But I have so much that I know that it's not true. Mm-hmm. It's just really hard to, like, convince myself that it won't. Yeah. So, is there a fear that, like, it'll go away? I guess, yeah. Even though I know it won't, because, like, I feel like I I need I need to write. Yeah. To be able to, like sort out some of what goes on in my head (laughs) so that's interesting it i want to know more how you like view writing like the act of writing Mm -hmm. uh like because to me i see writing as a skill yeah me too that that you practice so there isn't ever that fear that it'll go away i mean i guess it's not that i think it'll go away i think it's just that i'm That out, I don't know what exactly. Like when I say it, when I start saying it out loud, yeah. it sounds really stupid. So I don't know exactly what it is. I'm just like I'm never. I guess it's I'm never going to be able to do that again. Whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Well, I find that's the interesting thing about talking about writing is that it's so hard to put into words. I know, which, which is, is so, so it's so weird. Yeah, oh, it makes me so happy. I know, me too. Oh, I love it. I, it's such like it's such a weird feeling that you can't really describe. Yeah, it makes complete sense in your head. Yeah. And then you try to articulate it. It's like, what in the fuck am I even saying? Yeah. Do you ever like vibrate like as you're typing? Yeah. yeah. Like when I feel like I finally found out what a poem is about or what I like want to be writing about, I'm just like, I need to keep chasing this mm-hmm. until it. It's like a sparkler. Yeah. How do you do that? What do you mean? Like in a poem. 
like discover what it's about and then keep chasing it. Does that come with revising? No, not okay. for me. No, it comes. I guess a lot of the time, it starts like in my head as an image. Okay. Or yeah, it usually starts with an image that I get if I like read something that I think is interesting that I want to um, like make my own or explore more. Mm-hmm. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Mm-hmm. That's fine. We were talking about, uh, we're here with Katie Dooling. I gotta Shut do, up. I gotta do my fucking <laughs> NPR thing. So that's where I was this morning at work. We're here with, I gotta turn myself way down. Stop. We're here with Katie Dooling. <laughs> poet. Graduate of Grand Valley. Interview we were- over. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, she just left. <laughs> she got up and left. Uh, but yeah, okay, we- yeah, an image. That's yeah, where, yeah, it starts with an image, and then so sometimes I just like try to start describing that image that's in my head or mm-hmm. like the feeling that I have, and then a lot of the times it like snowballs and completely transforms into something else, and I'm like, oh, that's what I'm writing about. Mm. So it never. I mean, there are like a select few times where I have gone into wanting to write something with like a specific idea and then, but it, those poems, like I never usually go back to them because Mm -hmm. they feel so forced. And if it turns, I feel like if it starts turning into something else, then that's a good sign. Yeah. So the way that in my head I'm seeing it is you start writing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, just for the sake of saying several dozen words into it, it's, mm-hmm. oh, it's actually this. Yeah. And you keep writing, and then it's, oh, it's actually this. Is that what it is? And then, like, the first, like, seven stanzas, like, aren't actually relevant anymore? Yeah, a lot of the times that does happen. Like, it'll be something something that seems, like, more concrete at the beginning, and then it turns, like, more obsolete towards the end. Okay. Um, and then do you keep that, or do you throw it away? Or does it depend? I have a, like, you know the whole, like, kill your darlings thing? I Mm -hmm. have a really hard time doing that. Okay. And I don't like it. So if I, like, have to take something out that I really, like, like or I'm attached to, I just, like, keep it. And I'm like, I can can use that later. Mm. I can add it to something else where I can, like, expand it. I see. Because I have the same sort of thing where I'll start writing something and it's like, oh, it's about this. It's about this feeling. But because I hate editing... (laughs) I'll say, well, I I have this already, though. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I have like to, yeah, like, I'm like that too. I have to build around, yeah, the the foundation that I have laid for myself. Yeah, and then what comes about generally is something completely different, right? Yeah, because it's this amalgamation of what I was really getting at versus what I was yeah. able to pull off. If I start trying to like conform to the beginning of a poem when the ending is like. Or like the, the more like the middle or the end like feels like what it's actually about and then i try to go back to the beginning to like include it or like make it fit it never works mm-hmm. like does it work for you when you do that um i don't know <laughs> well i mean i guess it's different for you because you just don't edit so. yeah <laughs> Like I'm, I'm, I'm so it's just so funny to me no and it's fine and i deserve <laughs> to be ridiculed did and, you did you edit and, like it, when we were in school 
I mean, we were like, we, we were forced to. We were forced to. I, can, I, I feel. And like I was. think I think at least with Kaneko's class, we actually had to turn in yeah. both drafts. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm that sure that, he I'm could sure, see. I'm sure that was really painful. So for I, I want to say, yeah, well, it wasn't painful. It was just tedious and boring. Like that's not <laughs> the part of writing that I'm interested in. Yeah. <laughs> that's really funny. But like, that's not writing to me. I know. I know. But like a lot of writers would say that it is. And that's totally fine, and I'm very happy that's for not, that. That's However, not going to be in your class, in your yeah. 101 class. I also don't have that problem with killing your darlings that you have. I have it more as, oh, this writing is so good, and it's not, it's, it's not oh, this is so good and so precious that I need to keep it alive. It's, yeah. I spent some time on that, and yeah, like no. I deserve to have that come to fruition somewhere. No, yeah, that's exactly what I think. I don't, it's not like that. I think that it's like so good, and it's like, oh my god, this is like the best metaphor that yeah. I've, I'm ever going to come up with. It's just like, I really like how this sounds, or how it looks. Sure. I'm, I'm straying even further from that. <laughs> Where is like economically, I'm a corporation. You yourself, and, Joe, and, and my and my writing is the products that the corporation is putting out. Oh my god! Right, and that it sounds so stressful. But it's not though. I but that that's a good that's a good image. I guess I was getting ahead of myself. That is, that's not. That's an interesting way to look at it. I guess. Yeah. Well, what what happens is. I don't love my writing. Me either. Like, I know it's good. Me, but myself, not yours. Yeah. <laughs> I hate your writing, too. Well, And it's not even like a hate. Part of it is almost like a disdain. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a bad... If writing is my children, I'm a bad parent. Yeah. I'm oh the God. alcoholic mom who's like, Yeah, yeah, you're going to take care of me when I'm old, yep. you bastard. <laughs> like, I only had you, so, you, so I would have someone to take care of. Yeah. It's like the Middle Ages, you know? It's like, right. I just, like, I need someone to help me on the farm. Yeah. There is no difference to me between pieces I've written and pieces That's- I've gotten published, because every piece I've written that I have decided is completed is in the queue. Okay. It is, it is like... Literally, currently now, every piece that I have written and finished mm-hmm. is out for review somewhere okay. or has been accepted. <clears throat> and again, economically, I know 14 people ever will read this poem, including me, the people I send it to, and the editor of this magazine. Mm-hmm. So spending 16 hours on this piece is economically unintelligent. To you. To me. To me. Because if the piece is good enough to get accepted by an editor and published in a magazine, that's enough. To- that's as much time as needed to be devoted to the piece. Where it is more beneficial to me to have a million pieces out that are maybe 75% as good as they could be than to have 75 pieces out that are a million percent as good as they could be. Yeah. Like, especially at this point in my life as a writer. Like, it is more beneficial to me to have lots of pieces out there than to have one really good piece. Yeah, I I understand that. And so you are saying that you don't think it's worth the time spent on those? see, See, when you say it. I guess what I it is. I don't mean that as like, a, <laughs> like in an accusing way. I'm just I'm trying to understand. Yeah, I think what it is is the piece is so short. It only takes so much time to read it. It should only take so much time to write it. 
Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting way to think of it because I've never thought about that, like, for myself. Because mm. I spend, like, so long on some of my shit. Sure. And again, it's poetry, which is just black magic. There, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing, there's no, like, as far as I'm concerned, you can look at other poets, but as as soon as you start, as soon as I start taking inspiration from another poet for a poem I'm writing, I'm plagiarizing and, and I'm doing something that's already been done and that's bad. If you think about, if you think about it like that, though, you'll never write anything. That's why I have no poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like that can be, like, applicable to other genres though. it probably could be but i don't know why i have that block like with fiction it's just it's so different yeah i agree it is and i think part of it is because with poetry i i align it a lot closer to music yeah where when i make something musical back in the days when i made music that actually had something more than feedback and screeches and and yeah. and, and static to it <laughs> i i would actively take inspiration from other places and the act of writing song lyrics to me was very similar to the act of writing poetry because it is the same thing to me it is the same thing songs or poems yeah i just don't know if they should be like for me i don't know if they should be i feel like they deserve to be separated out no they i mean for they they are their separate mediums, I think. But I mean, I mean, because like I don't think it of any of my like poems could be songs. Like I don't I I mean like I say that songs are poems, but like I have never tried to write a song. Mm-hmm. And I so ha- they are different enough. Yeah, and I have aspirations of writing poems, but. The way I envision their finished products is always set to music and spoken. Yeah. Uh, like, spoken word is is a different genre of poetry, though. So maybe that's just it. Like, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's so frustrating to me, especially since the poetry that I really like. My my favorite poetry to read mm-hmm. is that like Midwest realism. Again, angry old white men writing about Kansas <laughs> in poetry form is the is. Is the only poetry I really love and actively like enjoy reading for more than just like an educational like oh yeah Fre- Frederick Seidel writes rhyming poetry and he's a rich guy and he writes about how rich people suck like that's that's fun <laughs> to me but uh, I don't know so, something about that like academic stuffy just like the wind rolled over the barn. And the barn crumbled into the dust that was blowing into it. Are you referencing the William Carlos Williams poem? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, Again, it's, it's the, the the chicken and the red the red um wagon hmm. and the rain. I don't know. If you read it, it's really short. If I feel like if you saw it, you'd probably know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I had to read it in high school. Okay. So. Also, I don't know if I ever told you this. I I uh, was a bit of a tryhard back in the high school days. Oh yeah, me too. It was disgusting. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's another reason why I have so much like disdain for like Instagram. Mm. Because or Instagram like poetry or whatever. Sure. Because like, yeah, that's this. That's the stuff that I used to try to write. Yeah, 
and i thought it was so good mm-hmm. and it's just so not and if you had just stuck with it I, you'd be I'm able to so quit your job I didn't. today i'm so glad i didn't because like i would not want to be known for work like that it's to me it's embarrassing i mean i know that that that's fine. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I, I feel like I feel like I need to join you in talking shit about something, but like I have only esoteric shits to talk. I I mean I guess I haven't read a lot of it, but like there there is some that my friend has sent me that I've read. It's and it's just like it's that straight white guy like like cigarette like she mm. cheated on me yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So I haven't read a lot of it because I know it'll make me mad. Yeah. And the few that I have read. It's just infuriating. It's so interesting to me that, that you bring up the male part of that. And I'm sure that exists. The only like Instagram poetry I've read is written by women. And so it's interesting to me um, uh, to see criticisms of male poets of that sort of like, I'm a glass of whiskey and a cigarette being left by a beautiful woman. Like for no, some, that's it though. I know. But the, the 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 poetry of that style that I have read is always like a boy hurt me once. I cried a lot. I'm cool with having sex now. It goes. I mean, it goes both ways. It's just yeah. the. I guess it just happens to be that the ones that I read have been men. Yeah. So we just have like mirrored. Yeah. Things. I, they're both bad in my opinion. <laughs> it all deserves to not exist. I mean, it can't exist. I just won't acknowledge yeah. its existence sure no i i feel like it's time for me to get more hardline should not exist everybody go out and and find as many copies of milk and honey as you can and burn them don't do that <laughs> don't but steal them from the stores don't like give anybody any money steal them from bookstores so and, and burn them <laughs> Like like evangelical Christians did to Harry Potter. <laughs> Let's do the same thing. Have bu- have milk and honey burning parties. No, get stop it banned it. from schools. Like banned from being in a school. Like not being taught. Like search children's backpacks for copies of milk and honey and suspend them if they have them. Oh my god, no! <laughs> another no. Here's another example of like that. I mean, he's not like an Instagram poet, but like, have you ever read like James Franco's poetry? Um, yes, I have, because one of my friends went to grad school with James Franco. Yeah, yeah, because he has like four different degrees. Well, he has too many degrees. Yes, but like they were in the same, they shared the same advisor. And so they had like micro workshops together. And so he was like scrolling through emails that he and James Franco were on. And here's like, here's a poem that he, he like submitted to workshop and yeah. uh, they're bad. I know. He has a book. He might have multiple books, but we read it in my intermediate class. Uh, we Palo read it Alto? to make fun of it. Yeah. No, not Paul. Oh, a different was, one. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Um, It's bad. Yeah. Um, I guess that's kind of like the style that I attribute to like the Instagram. Because I, like, sure. I feel like it's just not... Maybe these people are trying. If they are, that's great. <laughs> then I take back everything I said. But if like, you're trying, keep... <laughs> yeah yeah keep fucking trying <laughs> i'm sorry i'm i feel like i'm being very negative yeah it's just something that makes me so frustrated because it's just like these people have like so many followers and they have like their whole career built off of this mm-hmm. shit yeah and that's like i don't know i mean we gotta be real part of it is just like man if I knew I had to write that, I totally would have written right? that. Yeah, it's like, and then it, I feel like if I'm looking at my own 
writing them just like if if that kind of stuff can get so much attention then like why am i trying yeah uh there was when i was first trying to get my 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 book published before i decided i should actually edit it Uh, I, I was looking for agents, which is another thing I don't recommend for getting your first book published. As a person who's never had a first book published, don't try to get an agent. <laughs> and as I was looking for agents, all they wanted, all they wanted was young adult fiction. All every agent wants, right like there, there's that meme that's like men only want one thing and it's fucking disgusting. Literary agents only want one thing and it's fucking disgusting. Yeah. It's young adult literature or historical young adult literature or uh magical realism young adult or romance young adult or maybe if they're super edgelord new adult fiction (laughs) and anyway i had to find something new to hate because my wife really enjoys young adult literature and I do too. Really enjoys writing young adult literature and wants to publish young adult books. So I've had to find something else to hate. So it's refreshing to find someone who shares my disdain for Instagram (laughs) poetry. I feel like we should talk about you more. (laughs) I feel like we're talking about me an awful lot. Um, Shoot. I don't know, man. Also, like... I feel like I didn't properly answer any of your questions. Well, that's fine. Because I haven't asked any good questions. What is your writing process? <laughs> what is my writing process? No, I was imitating you. Oh. But we have a, I mean, what is yours, I guess? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a lot more regimented about it, especially this year. My big goal for this year is I want to write a 400,000 word novel because everybody jizzes about long pieces of writing. Like you said in the, in the first episode, like you mentioned Infinite Jest and like yeah. that caliber of... I could see you doing that. Well, thank you. Uh, most recently, I've read 2666 by Roberto Bolaño, and there is an element of monotony to a work that long, especially about it? that I'm subject. I'm not familiar with it that. It is... Well, the main thing that people talk about when they talk about it is there's, like, one of the sections. It's divided up into five novels, but published as one piece. One of the novels is almost entirely descriptions of murdered women. In in uh, northern Mexico, which is wow. like true to form, realistic. My Mexican friend can attest. Like that is what the news is like, especially at that time in Mexico. Like the police aren't doing anything because there's nothing to be done. Like yeah. there's there's wow. three murders a day, and there's six people who work at the police department. It's just there's a lot of like mm, yeah, no. And um, there's an element of monotony to that that I find really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a couple other like really long books I have heard of have that same sort of monotony. And there, there's something interesting about being able to... How do I phrase it correctly? Not have to be rip-roaring action all the time. Yeah. To have their attention because they're 300 pages into a 800 page book. Right? Yeah. Just just because you can't get that far and put it down. True. Or more than just because. But that's part of it. And and this idea of um also by Bolaño, the Savage Detectives, which I'm pulling from, there's two thirds of the book are interviews with people 
about two other people. So it's these these two guys, Ulysses Lima and um, Arturo Bolano. They, in in the story, like it led this group of poets, and so the middle section of the book, which is really like sixty percent of the book, is interviews with all of the people who knew them throughout a large amount of time, like thirty years. So mm-hmm. you're coming back to people, and there's this this cool thing where there's like forty different voices that are happening, and they have their own narratives that are happening, um, that are like disconnected from the actual plot of the story where you get little character dramas of like these two or three people like cheating on each other and like falling in love and falling out of love that has nothing to do with Ulysses or Arturo. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's interesting to me that you can have a thousand page book that is essentially a collection of short stories within actually one novel and not not have it be a uh, a collection of short stories. Yeah, that, that is really sense. that is really interesting. Um, well, does that does that end up like coming back later on? Does it like do those tiny stories? Some of them just end. Uh, Bolaño was was really good at, at writing stories in which nothing really happened. Hmm. He just kind of wrote interesting characters. So more it's more literary. I guess so. I guess so. But. To, to go back to your, your, your faux question of what my writing process is like, it's, it's regimented because within a year to write 400,000 words, you have to write about 1,000 words every day. Yeah. And, and then you have to do NaNoWriMo and make it part of the thing. Mm-hmm. And even by saying NaNoWriMo, somebody's shitting blood. So, <laughs> some literary person is listening to this and just like, NaNoWriMo, no! <laughs> Nothing good ever comes from NaNoWriMo! Brr! It's like, why? It's just like getting people to write a whole bunch. Like, how is that bad for I, writing? Yeah, I mean... But anyway. Yeah. I have to write a whole bunch. Uh, and I have to focus on, like, one idea. But I also don't because I can put different ideas into it. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 been interesting to, like, I have to write these thousand words today. And whatever flash pieces I have mm-hmm. in my mind, I need to somehow find time for that. So I'm... I'm I'm forcing myself, I'm rudely forcing myself to write a whole bunch, which going back to your sort of like, sometimes I write a whole bunch and mm-hmm. you sort of like binge yeah, and, and purge, which is what I used to do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at some point I just decided that like that wasn't going to work for me. Yeah, me Be- too, I guess. Because I'm more interested in being prolific than being the guy that had the one good book. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, after I die. The the dead writers that I find most impressive are the guys who published 80 novels and 400 short stories and had, like, six collections of poetry, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that's interesting to me. That's exciting to me as, as a writer. Yeah. Like, regardless of the actual content of their writing, I'm, I'm really interested by, like, pulp writers. Yeah. yeah no, those novelists a- who, like, wrote a novel a day. Yeah. You know? Granted, they had secretaries and basically just dictated everything to them yeah. and then went through and, and, and edited it and and then pumped it out for 99 mm-hmm. cents. Um, or the people that had, like, secret lives writing smut. Yeah. Which, which is interesting. There's, a there's like, an NPR podcast about that. Really? Yeah. What's it called? The, this, I have no idea. I have no idea, but I've heard, I've heard several people talk about it where it's this, like, this guy who was a respected writer who wrote good academic literary books... But also had to pay the bills and mm-hmm. decided he was going to write to pay the bills. So he wrote smut novels. Wow. And 
he wrote it under a different name and hid it from his children. But the the stories that people were telling me about hearing it on the podcast, there's like interesting things in his journals about doing that too. Because like he and his wife would have to like try certain things out so he yeah. could write it accurately. I listened to um, a podcast kind of with a woman, Brenda Jackson. She writes like romance novels. Okay, and she said that. Um, basically her husband was her guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of stuff, because she wrote, like, sex scenes and stuff yeah. like that. So that's funny. I, you know, if I had to do it over again. Do, uh, do life over again? Well, no, just, like, find a wife. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad way to go about it. Like, hang out, hang out on all, like, the romance writer forums, trying to find a date. Well, she, her, her and her, her and her husband, um... Had been together since they were like 14. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was just like as she kept writing. Because mm-hmm. she she published like over 100 books. Yeah. Or something like that. I can't do that with my writing. <laughs> I can't make my wife my guinea pig for my <laughs> writing. All right. I'm going to pump you full of DMT and then put on a horror movie and just kind of watch you for a while. Oh, my God. I mean, I mean it, it, she wasn't, that's not why she was married to us. I know. <laughs> so poetry, though. Like, how do you even? <laughs> I hate that question. I hate it. What What is the question people should ask when confronting poetry? What is the question that you ask when you confront poetry? How do you even? So, I mean, what does that mean? Then? Like, <sighs> I don't know. Well, okay, so, so confronting poetry as a reader, I have no idea. But why? Uh, I, I don't know. I, like... Is there something that you expect out of it? I I don't know. I feel like I... I, There must be if you don't. I feel like I have crippled myself by taking so many fiction classes and not any poetry classes that I have this a a very clear idea of like what I expect literature to be, what other people expect literature to be, uh, and and things like that. Whereas the brief talks I've had in college about poetry, which basically just came like my creative writing class had a poetry section and and, and the class that we'd previously talked about had poetry from these writers so we talked about it and like i just there is some mental block where i just don't get it but not in an old man sort of like and like individual poems i'll read them and i'll feel something and i'll experience something and like i'll get that but like as a whole genre it is a maze of complexity and like I can neither see forest nor trees. I can't either. I don't know if anyone can. Because poetry is so different from like fiction and like nonfiction. But huh. I guess I want to know, like when you say you don't get it, like what is it? I don't know. <laughs> Within the the because definitions of that sentence, I I understand the I part and and the don't and the get and the it. I need definitions for. I okay, but like I guess I just don't understand like when people approach poetry who are not who don't write it who don't like read it regularly. Someone mm-hmm. like you, for yeah. example. Someone when, like you. When they not, I did not say it like that. <laughs> when they say like I don't get it. I guess I'm just wondering why you think there's something to get. And that is a really great point that I understand and keep in the back of my mind always. However, I don't get that either. (laughs) (laughs) 
I guess, like, why do you think that you need to get something? Like, do you, when you are starting a new book, like reading yeah. and you're starting to read a new book, do you, are you like, I don't get it before you? No. Well, that's because I have preconceived notions that it will either subvert or fall in line with. Like, I expect there yeah. to be a narrative. And not like that and, at all. And, and characters. And, and, and yeah, poetry can be like that but yeah, it also it, it doesn't have to be um i just it's it's really hard for me to even say because i know that it is me <clears throat> who is lacking not necessarily i mean could it could it be that the entire genre of poetry just fails to, like has failed me no uh, like i i i and I don't even know how to how to describe my perceived deficiencies in this area, and it's uh, it's super strange to me that I guess what it is is I see a poem. It is an object. Yeah. And in perceiving an object, there should be a perception that takes place. And why, why do you feel that way, though? Well, because is there why, why am is, I reading the poem if not to? experience the poem no no that's not that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about you looking at it objectively so when when you like when you go to read a poem do you always expect to get something out of it no okay good i I expect to react okay that's more than a lot of people (laughs) who don't get poetry um it, it should also be noted that i at no point in time do i ever actively try to get it it is some poetry is something i come into contact with every now and then yeah and say man i really wish i had a better understanding of this but what i i guess it's just like what do you do you when you say you're trying to understand it is it like poetry as a whole then is that what you're talking i guess i guess so it is it is a language that i do not speak but can i can perceive some words yeah Okay. And and I understand that as languages go, it's kind of like Finnish, where even the people who speak it say it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is true. And I, I really respect that. And there's... Poetry also seems kind of like cartooning to me, where there, there can be a really deliberate uh, structure to it. Uh, sort of like you... you Ziggy... You know, is is a comic, right? And it's always like one panel, and it's just mm-hmm. kind of a one liner. And then there's Frank Miller's Sin City, and those are both cartoons, yeah, right. And so poetry is kind of the same thing, where I don't know necessarily just by looking at a poem without having read it already mm-hmm. if I'm looking at Ziggy or if I'm looking at Sin City. And so I find myself frustrated and trying to figure out where it fits. If it fits, if it doesn't fit, why not? As I'm reading the poem and I end up like distracting myself, I can't just like sit in a Zen state and just let the poem enter me and then define it later. That, that gives me a more clear understanding of how you see it then. Okay. Because I think that with poetry, when people say that they don't get it, like you just said, Mm Mm-hmm. Or if you're, I mean, if you're automatically trying to categorize it just by looking at it without reading it, I think that you're doing a disservice to the poem Mm -hmm. because I don't think that when you're reading a poem, 
that you need to go into it thinking you're going to get something from it. I think because I think that that is sub- subjective and that um that that's not like the goal of the poet. Like I know it's like cliche to say that like I write for like myself. Mm-hmm. Because like to an extent I do, but also when I finish something and I like submit it and I like let go of it. So then it's not mine anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it belongs to like whoever reads it. And if you if you go into reading a poem without any expectation or any like preconceived feeling of I need to get something from this, then you probably will get something from it. Hmm. Because I feel like a poem is just asking you to be with it in the moment. Yeah. It's asking you to it's asking you to suspend your disbelief for the the time it takes you to read it. That's how I feel. That's how I read poetry. And I agree with you. And I feel like reading poetry like that might actually be a skill in and of itself. I can see that. And I can see why that would be something that poets would... It would be easier for poets to do than yeah, other be- people. Because they have practice with it. But, yeah, it's hard for me to go into something and say... I'm going to forget all of the context. Yeah. And I'm going to just take this thing and I'm going to consume it. And then afterward, I will uh, digest it. Right? Yeah. I don't want to say analyze because I'm not. No, di- I don't always analyze poetry. No, digest is but, a good but word. But digest it. I feel like if you were to be like, if you say you have you in a poem. Instead of the poem being the sponge, like, let yourself be the sponge, and then the poem is, like, the dish soap. Mm. I can dig that. And again, that leads us back to the very beginning of the conversation, wherein I find myself being sort of frustrated where we find somebody as a scumbag and now have to just disregard their entire body. Yeah. Um... Especially poets, like, Sherman Alexie is not known for being a poet, really. No, and more fiction. And to to be honest, I started following him on Twitter while we were taking that class. So did I. And I think before the class even finished, I had unfollowed him. Yeah, because then he, he tweets a lot, doesn't he? He he tweets a lot, and it's all just stuff I kind of disagree with. It's just kind of like, uh, you're just kind of like... I understand where he came from and if the absolutely true part-time biography yeah. if that is at all autobiographical like i understand he, he said to it pretty much was okay yeah uh i can understand why you would feel the need to come across as arrogant as he does i also don't need that in my life yeah but at yeah. the same time i find i find poets really i really like poets me too because i feel like they have more freedom to make larger statements than i think that's true prose people do i think my favorite example and since awp is is going on right now my favorite example is vanessa place getting kicked off of whatever board at on at awp that she got kicked off of do you know this story is this recent? Uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, maybe if you if you talk about it, I'll, okay. It'll jog she something. 
is a, a lawyer as well as a poet. And so she decided to tweet verbatim Gone with the Wind, I think it was. Was that the one with, like, Mammy? The sort of, like, really racist book that turned into the movie that has lots of N-words in it. Was it Gone with the Wind? We're going to assume it's Gone with the Wind. And and if it's not, insert the actual name of the book there. Anyway. I have no idea. As a white woman herself, I believe. Uh, I don't know if she, if she's what her, I haven't, I haven't seen her 23 in me. <laughs> I believe she's a white woman tweeting that verbatim. While oh, like, ha- like slurs, all of the slurs. It was on her at Vanessa place, Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. And she had changed the, the profile picture to the actress who played Mammy. So people were upset by it. Uh, And basically, everyone decided that she was a racist. Uh, They decided to totally disregard her artist statement. And she got, like, kicked off the board. But her artist statement and and why she did that was because she's a lawyer and knows how how copyright law works, at least at a a more advanced level than your average Joe does. Mm Mm-hmm. By doing this, she was violating the copyright of the publishers and the estate uh, of that book who own the words yeah and she was tweeting out the words and punctuation verbatim so what she was trying to do was force them to take ownership of those words by entering into a legal suit with her by saying you can't do that those words are our words at and- which at which point all of the racist stuff that everyone was upset about yeah would have to be claimed by the estate of the writer who wrote damn right because they have to yeah they have to say you cannot say that because those are our words those are our phrases i don't know if anything actually came uh about that legally with her with her writing and stuff uh or with the family entering into legal uh, action or anything all i know is that everybody thinks that she's the most evil poet in the world but anyway, I feel like she, as a poet, can ha- has the power to to f- present these things and call them poetry. I think that was my favorite thing about Steve Rogan book back when he was doing his video poetry thing. He's like, I'm going to do a thing mm-hmm. and label it poetry. And because the definition of poetry is the way that it is, nobody can disagree with me, really. Yeah. I mean, you can, but it'll be futile because it's poetry because I call it poetry. Yeah. Which, that's so weird to think about because I feel like poetry is the only genre you could do that with. Yeah, aside from, like, art as a whole, right? Like, performance oh, art you oh, can yeah. do that with, you know? No, yeah, I meant, like... As, as far as writing goes. Yeah, yeah. I meant writing, yeah. Definitely. Sorry. <laughs> because, like, I can't write a poem and be like, that is prose! Yeah. And people are like, uh, I don't, I don't think so. There's prose poems. <laughs> yeah, and you can call those poetry. Yeah. It's very strange. Which is interesting. I, I love the double standard. If, if it even is a double standard. I love that it feels like a double standard. I think it feels like one. Because I love writing prose poems. Yeah. But and I, I, I love... I think prose poems are are some of the most exciting poems to think about. I think so, too. They feel more unrestrained than linear poems mm-hmm. to me sometimes. 
I also feel like line breaks can just be too limiting, which is weird because line breaks are kind of like what makes poetry poetry. But I love this idea of of prose poems being really beautiful words in an order just clumped together. Yeah, me too. Yeah, because they're yeah they're a lot more fun to write. I if I do write them, it's like takes way less time. <laughs> And they're usually easier to edit. Not that you know. <laughs> I'm gonna get. N- I'm sorry. I'm gonna get like no edit tattooed on me somewhere. Do like, it. Like th- like thug life on <laughs> Tupac. Just no edits. And then I'm gonna have to get a six pack. And I'm gonna show up at writer conferences and just be like. <laughs> and I think the reason why I didn't write very much as a young person, really, I I have I have nothing. There there's there's no writing of mine that has survived. That oh. hasn't been at least finished being written post-school. Yeah. And I imagine when I finally do enter myself into an MFA program, everything I write during that program will immediately get torched as soon as I graduate. I feel, yeah. I mean, there's like, I wrote so much in undergrad, and I haven't looked at a lot of it. Like, I have, I have like folders on my computer mm. of just like, probably like, hundreds of poems at this point that i really haven't gone back to you should you should i know you know what you should do you should you should you should as a form of poetry live stream yourself going back through these old poems like get a webcam get a microphone get on twitch (laughs) get on twitch and, and and just say all right today we're going through these five poems and just like ready and reading them okay and yeah pull them up on the screen so everybody can see and edit based on what the chat says would to ha- edit. Would it have to be like random poems or could I pick them before uh, I started live streaming? You can pick them based only on what the document is titled. You're Damn not allowed it. to open the documents. <laughs> so it's playing Russian roulette yeah, with yourself. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It's playing Russian roulette with five bullets in the gun. <laughs> I feel, Yeah, I feel like that would be a good exercise though. I feel like that's kind of the thing I would need. Yeah. Since I relied, like, during workshop and stuff, I relied so heavily on other people's comments. Oh, really? Yeah, and not having that is, I mean, I've gotten used to it at this point, but, like, when I first started, because, like, right after I graduated, I wrote a poem a day for, like, six months, Mm. which was, I mean, it got, it turned into a, like, routine because I was sending them back and forth with someone. Oh, okay. But that's kind of, like, where I got the amount that I have. Yeah. So maybe I should do something like that. Just hop on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, just just make sure you set it up so that people can like tip you and stuff because you, you're going to have to make money off of that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Even other, I, otherwise, it's going to just be mortifying for the sake of being mortifying. I highly doubt anyone would watch that. So says every person who has ever since become a full-time podcaster. Okay, but that is the mantra. I am I am completely baffled. I didn't know. Yeah, I know. I just wanted to make a World of Warcraft podcast. <laughs> I didn't know there weren't any other World of Warcraft podcasts, and now I make eighty grand a year. I just, I just don't know how it happened. I'm just I so I'm I'm just as surprised as you are. I mean, I don't know why there's an old Jewish lady. <laughs> that but, stuff uh, yeah. is based on like luck, though. Oh, absolutely. I could totally make that a thing, like roasting my own writing. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't have to roast it. Just like, oh, I would though. I don't remember this at all. Let's most of it is. Let's explore it. That I might actually do that. I'll have to. I'll credit you though when I. Okay, I'll take two uh, percent okay. of whatever you make, and and I will put it toward being able to buy the books of the people who have been suggested by people on this uh podcast oh okay that's yeah. the most unsustainable podcast with, <laughs> without an income it's like okay yeah here are five people that I, I think you should have on the show and it's like oh shit that means i need to buy like 10 books <laughs> and then i need to read them ah oh, fuck yeah that's difficult so uh yeah eventually there's gonna be a patreon for this for this <laughs> podcast because i'm gonna run myself into the ground because i also won't ask for people to send me free books. I, I refuse to ask. I probably wouldn't either. I'd just buy it. No. Do you have a closing statement before we have you read your piece? We've been going for like an hour and a half here. I, I don't do you know. Want, do you want to walk back any of the harsh words for Instagram posts just in case? Okay, listen. It's not a comment on the people who are doing it. It is, it is art... We need to make like a joint statement. <laughs> we are, yeah, we are here one. before you today to clarify some of the words that some people may have taken offense to. <laughs> I understand that what I said was kind of harsh and that it is that I just because I don't like it clearly is not the majority if this yeah. if these if these things are getting as much attention as they seem to be our dislike for a certain style of writing is more of a commentary on, on who us. we are as people than on who the people who, who are, enjoy it there see that you that's perfect and the fact that nobody reads anyway the fact that people <laughs> I don't know are, how to read. are creating <laughs> literature that excites people about reading is overall good for everybody and you should continue to do it but maybe please try to do it a little bit better that's all we're asking yeah just please keep writing keep writing you know please keep keep publishing your books i'm not gonna buy them but just <laughs> just keep my, somebody Chal- will ch- ch- yeah somebody will challenge yourself a little bit more uh, unless you're james franco stick to movies yep. uh, or just stick to doing nothing yeah, well, I guess we have to hate him now, too, yeah. right? I, I have always disliked him, though. Okay. Sorry. I like some of the movies he's directed based off of literature. Like, As I Lay Dying was interesting. It did a lot of, like, split-screen stuff, which I found really interesting. And Child of God was an interesting movie, too, aside from the weird necrophilia scene. But that was in the book, because Court McCarthy is weird. That's true. I've only read On the Road. The road, not on the road. Oh my, oh my god! god. Can you believe if Cormac about... McCarthy wrote on the road? I can't. I met this person. He murdered eighteen <laughs> people and then was subsequently murdered himself. The blood drained everywhere, and then like four hundred more words before a period happens. Yep. No punctuation. Yeah. Of any kind. That's another one of those things. <laughs> I, I like. I need to end. I need to end the podcast, but. It's another one of those things, kind of like House of Leaves, how everyone's like, oh my god, the format is wacky, and it's yeah. like, that's eh, pretty standard for most of it. Kermit McCarthy's not that crazy with his punctuation. No, not he's at all. really not. Yeah, it's just, he uh, just doesn't use apostrophes. Yeah, he's just for- a little sparse. Yeah. A little sparse. Is it really that's that distracting? Fine. It's only distracting if you let it be distracting. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs>
I took the title from a uh, National Geographic headline that I got in my email, and it's, it's titled, These Homes Were Once a Dream. These homes were once a dream until the ghosts took over. I thought I emptied my jar of ashes because God knows how often I fall asleep with my hands wrist deep in soot. I didn't want to kill the photo version of myself, but she wouldn't stop haunting me, tapping on my skull until I unlocked the door next to my temple. I do not know how to let go of promises. I take them to bed and let them die. I had to stop making them in fear of oversaturation. I love the popping sound punctured blood makes, but I can't admit that. Out loud, I'll say I love red roses, even when I don't. Even if I do, I pretend to push everyone away like a revolving door, and I have done my job right when at night I see my shadow pacing alone against the wallpaper. This house might have once been a dream, but I don't dream about home. I think about leaving, but the ghosts need company to prevent complaints from neighbors. So there you have it. You can find Katie Dooley on Twitter at Katie Lisa Beta, K-A-T-I-E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-A. It's also in the show notes. I encourage you to follow her on Twitter. She's not super active, but maybe if a bunch of you follow her, she will become active. You can contact the show at noisemakerjoe at gmail.com just put WTR in the subject line so I don't delete it making it spam or another rejection email you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at noisemakerjoe and the website of course is noisemakerjoe.com I will talk to you next month